0: Welcome to the MarTech Podcast.
1: Today we're going to talk about the future of customer
0: data. Joining
1: us is Max Kirby, who is the Director of Digital Identity and Cloud Solutions at Publicis Sapient, which is a team of technology enablement, operations, sales, and marketing professionals that are leading the shift to cloud and customer data platforming. So far this week, Max and I have talked about the transformation to customer-centric thinking and how moving all of your operations into a singular cloud system like Amazon, Google, and Microsoft can help you understand more of who your customers are and what their needs are. And yesterday we talked about digital identity and how that's becoming the currency of the information age. And really the conversation was centered on, we have access to all this data. It makes us powerful, but is it ethically correct? And today we're going to wrap up our conversation by talking a little bit about the future as it relates to customer data. All right, here's the last part of my conversation with Max Kirby, Director of Digital Identity and Cloud Solutions at Publicis Sapient. Max, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast.
2: Hi, Ben. Glad to be back on.
1: Excited to continue our conversation and land the plane today. For anybody that hasn't heard the conversation, we've talked a lot about getting access to data, how that is making customers more valuable. And how we're able to, as marketers, see really across the entire customer lifecycle and really get access to people that we don't necessarily already have a customer relationship with by buying third-party data. We're in this funny ethical ground. And Max, I want to talk to you a little bit about the future. We talked about how marketers can collect data, how they can buy third-party data, how that makes them more valuable, gives them better insights, but it also creates some privacy concerns. Talk to me about where you see us going from here.
2: So if you think of picking up, you know, on yesterday's conversation where privacy is what you're not supposed to do with data and on day 1 we talked about what you should be doing with data, the abstraction between those two is really the answer to your question. And this is the kind of conversation where I'll just say I'm not really sure. I think that anybody who tells you that they're 100% sure is probably wrong, but I'll give you my thoughts on it. I think what we're going to see very soon, maybe the next 4 or 5 years, is a world of finance collapsing or clashing with the world of marketing. What I mean is, take your marketer's hat off for a second and put on your CEO's hat. Think about running the business as such. If you think about how that business is valuated, usually what's going on when we evaluate a business is someone's using a model like discounted cash flows or one of these time-tested true systems for understanding the value of a company. And of course, there's whole industries dedicated to just figuring out what the value is.
1: Some multiplier on EBITDA or however the finance guys talk. Exactly. And so I've been
2: noticing that the valuations in the market right now are inaccurate the more that we get into a world described by customer data. Concretely, what I mean is the way that you would cover an analog company, right? Think of any company that you wouldn't describe as digital, The way that you would evaluate that company is remarkably different from the way that you would cover, say, Google. Remarkably different. And that's because Google is based off of these key performance indicators and objectives that an analog company doesn't really have. It doesn't really apply. The best example, I think, is monthly active users. Your shampoo brand probably doesn't have monthly active users. And by that, I mean, it does, right? It does have monthly active users. It has people who are washing, rinsing, and repeating if they follow your
1: directions. Yeah, nobody's counting how many people are using Pert Plus. They're counting purchases.
2: That's right. So, usage basis right that's something that only really digital always on companies can do and it's one of the objectives that we aim at whenever we work on one of the digital transformation projects if you work on the full spectrum of offerings that we bring you we are aiming you towards a world in which you are going to be evaluated based on the signals that you understand and that you can take action on and the signals that you understand that you can't take action on you're going to monetize You're going to offer them to other companies in some meaningful way because they don't necessarily match your operations. That's really what the big platforms that have built the Internet have done is they've created giant systems to collect as much data as possible, figure out who it's valuable to, and then monetize it to those people. And they've since been able to bridge out into all sorts of other businesses using the same data set. I'm Amazon and I have an amazon.com massive retail graph, one of the best in the world. And now I can start to get into pharmaceuticals or news content or video streaming. And it's the same data set in the background that's powering all of this. And that is disrupting this idea of looking at the operations of a company as its most valuable asset and the one that should describe its value as a company, what we should be looking at. And I think this is a, a call to marketers to realize the true value of what you're doing. What we really should be looking at to value companies is what customer intent are they capturing? Can they supply that demand? And if you can, then we're gonna say that you're probably a more valuable company and your stock price should be higher because you're a more valuable investment. So in the next four years, I think we're gonna see that paradigm shift in finance as Wall Street, who aren't marketers, aren't necessarily technologists, at least the way that we would describe them on the Martech podcast, right? Ben, they're gonna start figuring this out. They're gonna, they're gonna get a clue that. The ability to understand your customers is the primary function in a digital economy. The rest is sort of details about how you supply that demand.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the equivalent of I'm in the real estate business and oh, by the way, now I'm going to be able to mine all the real estate that I own, not just to put a building on top of it, but to pull oil from the ground below it at the same time. I'm going to be able to collect data, use that to support my business, but I'm also going to have a value exchange from the data I'm able to collect from my customers. But it does bring us back to the ethical question, and we're seeing pushbacks, GDPR, CCPA, every TLA under the sun is going to come out because there's going to be government agencies starting to get involved in how and what we can collect in terms of data and how that's used. The reckoning is coming where the politicians are going to get involved in how data is collected. And talk about not being technologists in a way that we would think about in the MarTech podcast, like that's a collection of people that truly does not understand how the technology landscape works and functions. So as you look forward into what's going to happen from a data collection usage and monetization perspective, you're painting a picture where, great, the data is going to become more valuable and everyone's going to start thinking about the value of their company based on the data they're going to be able to collect. But there's going to be external forces that are going to hinder the collection of that data to try to protect consumers, I'm projecting and forecasting. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutenex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20.
2: Well, there's two possible futures in front of us, Ben, at least the way I see things. You can look at certain governments that are embracing data. And I think it's become almost a a refrain at this point. But it's worth noting that the pandemic has only accelerated what is already happening.
1: The whole fight over TikTok, right? Right. It's who has access to every 13 to 28-year-old in the United States and practically in the world, which government is going to own access to that data?
2: Right. And to a large extent, governments were the original creators, users, collectors of data. I mean, that's why back in the analog world, they were cited so much in academic studies is because it was the governments that were actually running data collection because they needed to know who they were governing. And in the Western world, this idea of the consent of the governed starts to come into what we're talking about at the core of data privacy. So the fight over these data sets is going to play out one way or another. Either we're going to see what Estonia is leading right now. And if you haven't looked up what Estonia is doing, check them out. They are digitizing their government. They're creating a digital marketplace for data. Some of the smartest thinkers in the world are working with Estonia because their government decided to use digital as a competitive step. And we may see the government create like a New York stock exchange for data of some sorts, where all of the digital identities that you possibly could collect are actually on record, stored somewhere, and attributes are just exchanged. And there's a lot of really interesting innovation going on there. There's a project at MIT called the Solid Platform that is built off of that same thing. There are people using blockchain. We don't need to go down that road. But there's attempts at figuring out how to create what's known as sovereign identity. And then there's the other alternative. And the other alternative is we do nothing about this. And we're going to see kind of the momentum or the inertia, if you like, of the way that governments already exist today. And with all of their politicians having Senate hearings that we cringe at, right, because we just look at it like you have to understand how Google works. How are you in power if you don't understand how Google works?
1: It's a little concerning.
2: It's a little concerning, right? And a lot of my job is actually to watch C-SPAN and figure out where they're gonna go with their decisions in the near and the long term, because there's massive implications for my clients and for us as a holding company, of course. But the alternative is basically we leave it at its current inertia. And if we do, we're gonna see more polarization. And I don't just mean political polarization, I also mean the competition that we're seeing in the market to understand you in ways that you don't understand And there's gonna be the good guys and the bad guys. I mean, it reminds me in some ways, Ben, of the ad fraud era, right? Before Google introduced ads.txt to really shut down the source of all of that fraud. The problem with data, like we talked about in one of our previous conversations, was that computers don't forget, they don't. So at least if they're not managed correctly. And by the way, even when you delete your data, most of the companies still save it. They just remove your name from it. So they don't delete it. They create what's called a digital double of it. And then they remove your name from it. And under the law, that is considered deletion. So it really is true that if you put it out there, it's going to exist, which means that we're going to have a polarized fight between people who are trying to be transparent and people who are trying to kind of surveil you. Or the alternative is the government does do something about this. And we get more of a digital government like Estonia. And the consent of the government now becomes the consent of data collection as well, to be able to figure out how to govern in the first place.
1: So the last question I have for you is you know for the marketing leadership that is listening to this podcast, you know the CMOs sitting back in their fancy chairs and thinking about what direction to take their marketing organizations and how they should be thinking about data collection, privacy, understanding their customers, what are the guidelines that you suggest for them and what should they be expecting coming down the pike?
2: So I think there's three but it's really two and there's like a 2A and B, but the first one is Don't forget your brand and the fact that your brand has an identity as well. I mean, we've conducted several studies now that have confirmed that the way that you collect data, what data you ask for and your brand are all interrelated. If you ask for data that you don't need, your brand suffers. And by the way, it's only to certain customers in different ways, Gen Xers and boomers, they react very differently to data privacy than do your millennials and Gen Z folks, almost flipped in some ways but suffice to say, it should be something that you keep in mind about what data you collect. And the second one of which there's really two iterations is when you use data, you have to think about whether or not the use case or what you're doing only benefits your business. And some things that only benefit your business are totally okay, but usually those things that only benefit your business are only okay if it's about providing you insights, not about bringing in multiple parties. So it's kind of a a guideline that I would say to CMOs out there who are looking to build a brand while preserving a brand identity in a digital world. You need to think about data collection not just as something that we wanna collect as much as possible and then figure out what to do with it. You also wanna think about it like a chef who's putting together a recipe and ask yourself, do you actually know what you're cooking? Do you have any idea what you would change if you were given this information. And if you don't know what you would do differently for your customer, then the question that I have for you is why would you collect that information in the first place? And I think that on some level, you probably haven't done the necessary work or the diligence to really deserve that data. And so I would challenge CMOs to think about what they're gonna do with the data And just use your imagination in that format and just think, if I knew everything about the customer, what would I change? And then take the pieces of knowing everything about the customer that you need to do that recipe, that you need to bring that customer a different outcome. That's what we start our workshops with. And it's the best way of making sure that you don't run afoul of the bad stuff, but you're also doing all the good stuff that you have a duty really to do.
1: Yeah, I'll add one more piece on top of that. Making sure your customer or giving your customer the ability to understand what data you're collecting and how that data is being used is also incredibly important. And to me, that's really where this gets complicated is, you know, nobody reads the T's and C's. And maybe Apple's done a nice job in the iPhone of saying, hey, do you want to give access to every photo or just one photo? Or do you want access to the data all of the time or only when you're using the app? Like Those types of modifications where you're asking for data and asking for consent more in real time, I feel like become increasingly important to not only collect the right data, but also to make sure that your customers have some trust in how you're collecting and applying that data.
2: Don't forget that anonymity is something that a lot of people value.
1: Absolutely. All right, Max, I appreciate you having the conversation and it's been great to have you as a guest on the show. I learned a lot from this conversation. Thanks for being a guest on the MarTech podcast.
2: I really enjoyed it, Ben. Thanks again.
1: All right. That wraps up this episode of the MarTech podcast. Thanks to Max Kirby, Director of Digital Identity and Cloud Solutions at Publicis Sapient for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Max, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His company's handle is Publicis Sapient, P-U-B-L-I-C-I-S-S-A-P-I-E-N-T, or you can visit his company's website, which is PublicisSapient.com.